we really should be paying attention to that. But we can gather for Christmas or it's just too soon to tell? You know, Margaret, we, it's just too soon to tell. Democrats are set to take control of the U.S. Senate, House, and the White House. This will go down as one of the most progressive administrations in American history. God willing, everything is on the table. You now can pass things without a filibuster threat. That's right. Oh, you'll regret this, and you may regret it a lot sooner than you think. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. Oh, welcome back to the Variety Program. Wow. I'm Michael Duncan here. With my two co-hosts, Comfortably Smug and Josh Holmes. Howdy. My God. So Fauci is just launching an entirely new bar for us. Now we can't gather. I I don't think it worked last Christmas. It's a new front in the war on Christmas is what it is. I mean, that's the thing is we we warned you folks, this is what's going to happen. And I mean, the facts, you know, just look at the numbers. Number of Christmases under Trump, four. Number of Christmases under Biden, zero. Yeah, you can't argue with statistics. Can't argue with those facts. <laughs> those are rock solid. They're rock solid. And I mean, this is insane. This is insane. The vaccines have been, the, the vaccines were handed over to Biden. A million a day the day he was inaugurated. Yeah. There you go. And here we are, Christmas time. Christmas time. They're like, ah, oh, we don't know if it's going to happen. And, and again, good reminder, because folks forget about this, Biden cares so much about, you know, COVID. What do you say? I'm going to shut down the virus. We're still waiting on that emergency OSHA rule about him, like, mandating, you know, right. companies with over 100 employees have to vaccinate everybody. They didn't even issue that thing yet? It still haven't. At this rate, it's going to be funny. We're going to have Trump get the vaccine developed faster than Biden writes this OSHA rule. <laughs> it's incre- and, and, I mean, that's the difference. This yeah. was the mandate, right? That when you're talking about the OSHA rule, you're talking about the mandate for all companies over 100 people to get their employees vaccinated. Exactly. And that's the difference is you ha- Trump had a sense of urgency, you know, partnered with the free market to address COVID, got multiple, multiple vaccines done. Biden's trying to do this like top down divisive approach, you know, attacking groups, trying to trying to make conservatives and out group that like, oh, it's their fault. It's their fault. This isn't happening. Uh, and his COVID response has basically failed. Uh, I mean, canceling Christmas. Fau- Can you believe Fauci's still around, by the way? Seriously. And he's like the highest paid government employee. Well, they're about to release that new documentary about him. Oh, yeah, Disney. Yeah, and then Disney Plus. But, ha- but, but like, seriously speaking, there is no human being in any government position who has made more horrible obviously provable mistakes yes. than Anthony Fauci has made over the last two years. Yeah. Right. And like, I was one of those people that when he first started, I mean, obviously we didn't know anything about pandemics, but when he first started and he was kind of like a little wishy-washy on the masks and a few things, I was willing to give him a little bit of a break. Right. Because it's you know, fog of war, fog of war. You know, it happens. But then you, you fast forward two years later and he's telling us like, I don't know, we might need to crank. Right. Like, that's a, you're allowed to be, Wrong. You're not allowed to be so routinely wrong and then also be definitive about future things. Bingo. You know, like that's not that's not how this works. And let's also think about the fact that like I don't know, it's like life does go on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like we, you know, people die of cancer. You know, people get old, they get sick. You know, you, you want to have your your your, you know, elderly parents or your grandparents in their last you know, memories of life on earth is being locked in their home for the last 18 months. No Christmas. No Christmas. No seeing the grandkids. And, and I can't remember who brought this point, but it's a great point. It's like, imagine if cars were developed just now 
the kind of regulations that try to have like, oh, they're way too dangerous. You're, you're <laughs> very likely to die. You know, it, it, like it'd be impossible. They to get move a driver's at license speeds at that we could injure or impair. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It, I'm, I'm just, I've had it with this whole thing. I've had it, and it's not that I'm a COVID denier. I got vaccinated. My parents got vaccinated. I want them to get a booster. Like I'm not a COVID denier by any standpoint. But, but enough with scaring the shit out of people. Right. We this we're, we're done with that. We're done with that. This we cannot continue to live under a regime that thinks that like important family gatherings are not worth doing just because there, there could potentially be a sickness. Yeah, and, and, tomorrow's and, not a guarantee and, for a lot of and people. And the hypocrisy you know? <laughs> of it is, is they'll be like, okay, so you can't have Christmas with your family, but we're going to show up to like the Met Ball and only make the health right. masks. So. Right, Ugh. right, that's fine. But your Christmas dinner, that's going to be the dangerous thing. I'm glad we could cover this off the top because we got a big show and COVID initially was not a part of it because frankly, like I said, we're sort of over this in a lot of ways, uh, in large part because Biden's numbers are worse than Trump's almost. Yep. Yeah. Right. And so, like, don't keep talking to us about about all this mess. But we have a, a large show with a lot of great stuff, including Senator Tom Tillis is joining us today. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. So I think we should get right into it. So one of our, our producers and our partners in this has put this into our show four different occasions. Uh, so he's pretty serious about it. And I'm, I'm fearful of taking it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about. This Amazon robot that wanders around your house. Yeah, I I, Ooh, I saw this? this. So so it's McDaniel's called... got a real hard on for this thing. But really, it's a great point. So Amazon's got this robot called Astro, and it's like a dog, a robot dog with like a screen for a face, and it'll only be sold by invitation from Amazon at first. It says Astro roams around your house on three wheels and can be used to bring stuff from room to room, video chat, play music. Keep an eye on your house while you're away and more. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I really would like, you know, Bezos to know everything in my home. This this dog thing's going to be like wandering the pantries, figuring out like what products I need to buy from Amazon, every detail of my life. Yeah, it would be a lot less scary if there wasn't also like cl- the cloud Amazon services, right? right? That collect information on yeah. the whole world and the CIA uses and right. everything else. Like, if they're just data just a- mining your entire <laughs> yeah. house. It's like, wait a minute. So Astro is the size of a small dog, mm-hmm. right? First of all, what a wretched human being if you replace your dog with this. <laughs> right? <laughs> you just got to be like the coldest. An actual dog should rise up and kill these things. Like if it enters the home, hero dog just kill this thing. <laughs> it, it roams around on three wheels. It, it has a camera that rises up on a 42-inch arm that keeps an eye on your home. Um. Yeah, I don't want one of these. It things. sounds horrific. I don't want like, one. Like I I'm against robots in general. I think, you know, they are absolutely going to try to kill us all. Uh, <laughs> but this dog is it's very obvious. It's very obvious the purpose of this dog. But if you have like if you have a robot dog, like make it do something decent. Like watching your house. I got a security system, right? ADT's done that for like 60 years. Uh, how about you bring me some beers? It goes out and fetches the paper. Maybe goes to the store. Well, so uh, you, you can have it deliver stuff to somebody in the other room. Like you could load it up with some beers and be like, go give the beers to Holmes. Okay. Which is kind of cool. Well, I, listen, if they have it like specifically programmed, I could find some interest in a dog like this. Yeah. What, what's the name of that? Uh, uh, they make those crazy robot 
that that the videos they're like somersaulting and jump the Boston Dynamics. Yeah. So they make uh, like those terrifying. Like yeah, robots. yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the kind of robot dog I'd want. I'd keep it outside. It like patrols, you know, the perimeter of my home, because it's oh, you want one that's like yeah. jumping around. One of the crazy yeah, robots, yeah, yeah. the one that looked like they're from like Black Mirror or something. I'd be okay with that kind of a robot dog, but still, it stays outside. You know, I don't want like the Chinese to hack my dog and know exactly how to kill me. But <laughs> the dog, like one of those Boston Dynamic dogs, if it's outside doing backflips and shit at night, scaring people away. That's that's a good robot dog. But your dog definitely gets hacked, so there's that's out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with Facebook and Instagram going down, nothing can tell me that my dog's not going to do some bad things to my house. Right. That's, I'm waiting for that. The first case of Astro getting hacked is going to be amazing. <laughs> all right, so let's get a little Capitol Hill uh, update. You all undoubtedly noticed over the weekend that Kirsten Cinema, senator from Arizona, was doing an event at Arizona State University, my my school. Yeah. Um, but she was accosted by a bunch of left-wing activists that belonged to a group we've subsequently found out are funded in part by her colleagues, like <laughs> Catherine Cortez Masto right. and Senator Menendez and Lujan. Like, they've apparently funded this PAC that enables these people to go out and cost people. Well, what made this one particularly noteworthy is that they followed Kirsten Cinema into the bathroom. Yeah, it's it's completely bonkers. But this is kind of where things have been heading. Like, remember, uh, uh, oh goodness, what was her name? Uh, the Congress Maxine Waters, who was like, if if oh, yeah. you're uh, you know uh, in the Trump administration or something, you should be like accosted. Follow yeah. Make them. a scene. Make follow a them. Scene. Yeah. I mean, so like they've been encouraging this and like, I mean, it, it's, it's now them turning on their own. Like this is the natural progression of things is they've gone so far left that they're like, Oh, it's totally okay to run into a bathroom and film people and accost. Them. No, it's psychotic. I mean, it was a locked building first of all. Right. So they broke into this building and then filmed her and followed her in the bathroom. I do. There was one, part of humor in this though <laughs> Let's get that. which i actually really if you watch the video if you haven't go check it out um <clears throat> but you know the senator goes into she a bathroom into stall. stall she yeah. goes in the stall i assume because she had to go to the bathroom and the person filming who keeps talking 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 and then there's like a silence and then there's a flush yeah no no, no. <laughs> that's the, be the, the best like, is like come on leave mad, her alone mad respect for her to carry out the duties yes Right. Yes. She's like the hell with you guys. You can film this if you want. And then and then Biden's uh, thoughts on this. He was asked is, is he's like, well, it happens to everybody. It's part of the process. Part uh, of the process. Actually, that's not at all part of like I don't know what Joe Biden does. Following people into the bathroom uh, to hang <laughs> them. Not not normal. Not part of the process. At this point, Joe Biden probably goes to the bathroom every fifteen minutes anyway. Yeah, he, I, he's used to having somebody follow him into the bathroom, make <laughs> sure he's okay. <laughs> Maybe they're just following him so he doesn't fall over. Yeah. But it lends itself to this larger discussion of what's going on up here. And now, for the first time, we've been talking about this since July. So your listeners are not surprised by what we talk about with the reconciliation bill or this infrastructure bill or the debt ceiling because we've kind of been talking about it all along. But the rest of the country is now tuned in at the mess that these people have made. Right. So now you've got the progressive Jayapal. Right. Mm hmm. She's she is the one who's leading the charge against the quote unquote moderates, which, you know, there is no moderate in this discussion, by the way. They're yeah. all in a conversation about whether they spend a trillion or multiple trillions right. of your of your hard earned dollars. Yeah. Right. So th I mean, this is not a moderate discussion. 
But they're in this constant back and forth. They can't organize a two-car parade. It's turned out into this complete mess. And now they can't figure out how to get the debt ceiling done either. Right? Yes. So they're all kind of looking at each other. It's like that, what's that, Spider-Man? Yeah, the Spider-Man meme where Spider-Man's looking at Spider-Man. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Right. And McConnell, amidst all of this, sends them a note in July saying, look, if you're going to govern alone, you're going to have to take care of everything alone. We're not going to help you raise the debt limit in order to spend $5 trillion of taxpayer money. We're just not going to do it. Right. So you guys have to figure that out in a reconciliation process. All of that sort of like along with the letter that Manchin and Schumer signed saying $1.5 was his ceiling and all that. All of that was lost on Democrats for like nine weeks. They did yeah. nothing, right? They went on vacation. They fucked around with all kinds of stupid bullshit. They talked about, you know, what they were going to put into this package and how it was going to work and how they get a September 27th deadline to pass a bipartisan infrastructure package. None of it happened. They, they just to, wasted all of our time. They went to the Met Gala. Yeah. yeah. All this. All this. Yeah, the, the performative, theatrical, tax-the-rich type nonsense that Democrats ordinarily do. The difference is the cards got called here. Right. Right? And now you actually have a debt ceiling that needs to get resolved. And Democrats are looking back at McConnell and Republicans saying... You got to help us do this. <laughs> yeah. No, it's incredible. <laughs> which which Biden says yesterday from a presidential podium that it's up to Mitch McConnell. He has to figure it out. Dude, they're so sad he's not majority leader. Oh, you know, so they could have somebody to blame. <laughs> I, I went after Sheldon Whitehouse, who's one of the worst senators we have in this country, because he, he tried saying, like, this is unbelievable that Republicans are not helping us out with the debt ceiling. When, you know, flashback. When Joe Biden was in the Senate and there was unified Republican control, he voted against the debt ceiling. Yeah. So there you go. Like, they're trying to make this into a narrative of, like, Republicans aren't helping us. They have the House. They have the Senate. They have the White House. Get it done. So McConnell sends Biden a letter yesterday, and I love this little excerpt. It says that Democrats are sleepwalking towards significant avoidable danger with the debt ceiling. We have no list of demands. We just simply tell them that you have to do it. If you're going to govern this way, you have to do it. Well, yes. I mean, that's the thing, right, is like when Republicans were in control, the conversation, the whole narrative, media narrative was like, whoa, well, what are Democrats going to extract? Yeah. What are they going to extract for these votes for the debt ceiling to be increased and yada, yada, yada. And Mitch is just straight up like, I, I we don't have demands. Well, there is no demand. Just do it. Just do it. And so, so here's the smart part that everybody has to figure out. The reason that he says that and there's no list of demands, like... You know, if you weren't tuned into this, you'd be like, well, why don't you just demand a whole bunch of shit and that they have to meet in, in order for you to support the debt ceiling? The demand would be you do nothing. You don't spend a red right. goddamn cent. Right. You don't spend three and a half trillion dollars on anything. You don't tax anything. You don't do anything right. in this budget. We're not going to be complicit in this by by helping you raise the debt ceiling. That's the demand. When, when you were shoving that that bill down our throat. In, in the spring, by yourselves, you know, when Republicans are in control, they passed historic bipartisan COVID relief packages, and then they rammed through this monstrosity That's themselves, right. and now they turn around and they're like, oh, no, you got to help us now. <laughs> uh, I, I know we are doing an end zone dance, you know, on you guys for doing this ourselves, but now you got to help us. Right. Get out of here. Right. So the demands, I offer you nothing. <laughs> nothing. You get you get nothing. It's like the it's like the Godfather scene where he's like, 
My offer is nothing. <laughs> I'd appreciate it if you paid for the license too. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's basically it. And they can't wrap their minds around this. So you're going to hear on your news and you're going to hear on uh, in the newspaper all of this sort of hand-wringing and nonsense about a crisis that's on the horizon. Right, a fake thing that they created. A fake thing. And all of it is complete nonsense. None of it, 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 none of it is serious. It's all avoidable. This ends when Democrats raise the debt ceiling. Yeah. Right? But they're pretending as though they can't do it. When we know they, I mean, the parliamentarian, everybody, they've said that they can do it. They, everybody knows that they can do it. And that they're pretending that they can't do it in order to make Republicans somehow culpable for the trillions of dollars of debt that these people have rung up on their own. Right. And, and the, also, you know, what's important to bring up is the way that the media has handled this is like completely shameful, um, especially in, in, in light of her getting chased into that bathroom. CNN sends this out saying the Arizona Center Cinemas unnecessarily moderate politics oh, might that. be leading her away from her base and toward a tough primary challenge. Oh, that's <laughs> it's, a, it's an analysis piece. You guys will know this is one of my favorite hobby horses in, is. in media culture it is. is, is something called analysis, which isn't quite an, a opinion piece. And it's definitely not news like straight news. Mm-hmm. It's analysis. It's analysis. Yeah. That we so it just propaganda. Prop, it's, it's it's propaganda that we masquerade as news, but ostensibly from someone who has expertise in this area, right? Right. Which I forgot the name of the guy who wrote it, but he certainly doesn't have any legislative expertise. Yeah, yeah, zero idea. It's just you know that's half 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 of what we have for our media is just someone in Brooklyn who's never been involved with the process has some yes. thoughts. Okay, here we go. That, that that's totally right, <laughs> and they're saying that she's unnecessarily unnecessarily, and, and the 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 tax the, the spin that they've taken on that as a whole are just so insane. Um, and uh, Red Steves had this great tweet uh, where where he said, "Imagine the outrage if a Republican operative chased AOC into a bathroom stall." Right? Can you imagine the outrage over that? And like the 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 double standard. That's on, on all of this is like you, you constantly see on the left jokes being made about Rand Paul when he was attacked, you know, and uh, oh, totally. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the GOP baseball game when, when a Bernie supporter shot at Republican members of Congress, that's yeah. just like, you know, brushed away. Uh, you know, the left is just getting crazier and crazier and they have the media basically just covering for them being like, oh, unnecessarily moderate, which is kind of like permission to attack. It is a permission structure to do crazy things, yep. but for crazy people, it's just, and it's such a weird way of writing. First of all, she represents Arizona, unnecessarily moderate. Yeah. According to who? who? Right. Cause you live in Dumbo and you think everybody's a lunatic leftist. Bingo. <laughs> but, but if you just take this thought experiment up to 30,000 feet and, and think of the way that John McCain was lionized for being the only Republican to vote against repeal of Obamacare. Yeah. Right. Think about Nobody called him unnecessarily moderate. Nobody that. called him unnecessarily <laughs> moderate. Right. He was a maverick. He was willing to buck the party's establishment. He was all these things that, that denoted this courage. She's doing the exact same thing. Yep. There is no difference. The only difference is, honestly, I don't know of anyone who wants this thing. Right. Like, there was at least half the country that wanted Obamacare repealed. I don't know of anyone who wants this piece of shit. I mean, what 
see, okay. Good news, everyone. Your neighbor that hasn't paid rent for the last year doesn't have to continue to pay rent. He's got his school for free. His kid's got his school for free. You got to pay for it somehow. But the blue state millionaires who've been filing taxes and, and electing left-wing liberals to raise their taxes can deduct yeah, that. They, the get federal, a ta- yeah. they get a tax cut. They right. get rewarded for doing that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. nobody wants that, you know? And they're just liars. They said, today, again, they came out with this whole thing is free. Yeah, it's free. That's the craziest part of it is they're like, yeah, sure, it costs $3.4 trillion, but actually the price is zero. Like, what? How does that make any sense at all? How does that make any sense? It makes zero sense. I'm really happy. There's not a lot of times where everybody can just say, like, I'm really happy with what's going on with Republicans on Capitol Hill. I'm really happy with what's going on with Republicans That's right. on Hold Capitol Hold the line. Hill. And like we, we've been saying over and over again. We, we drive this thing into the ground, this $3.4 trillion absurd boondoggle, and Biden is a lame duck in his first year as president. That's right. It'll be the, it'll be the least productive year in the history of the first year of a presidency if they can't get any of this stuff done. Well, we yeah, Biden know. goes to Capitol Hill, right? Oh, yeah, let's talk and about And just that. absolutely steps in it. Yeah, we have to talk about this before we get off this subject, which is he goes to Capitol You know, he's going to rally the troops. Right. Right. Which is typically when you invite a president in to address a conference on Capitol Hill, you're doing it to close the deal. Right. Right. The president comes in and says, look, I'm with you guys on X, Y and Z, but this is not possible here. You got to take our win and we got to go and I'm going to be on top of you to make sure it happens. He did none of that. And, and again, this is this administration thinks like the West Wing is real life. Like they watched the show. They thought it was like the coolest thing. <laughs> like, hey, we should send Joe Biden to the Capitol because they did that on a West Wing episode and it worked. <laughs> and then like Joe Biden shows up and like Pelosi's message the entire day was like, today we're going to get this bill done. Well, we got to pass it. They've created this false sense of urgency. Right. And, and then Joe Biden stands next to her and he's like, well, if uh, we get it done in like seven weeks, that's okay. Yeah, it's it's the drama, right? They're all just obsessed. They've with got. They have to paint the Sorkin ask picture you can, of the you president. Can, you can visualize the camera going to a soft focus, oh. like there's Vaseline on the lens. Yeah, it's a soft focus that we're going to talk about how this president, he's going to deliver, in a maiden speech. <laughs> Perfect soundboard. Oh. That needs to be here to stay. Uh, They're all sitting in the Oval Office. They're like, hey, guys, why don't we do the President Bartlett thing from West Wing? I bet it's going to work. And yeah. then, like, Biden just makes the situation even worse. <laughs> right me- Meanwhile, you go outside the Beltway, and we have a very different reaction. It's hilarious. It's do, hilarious. Do we have the the interview that was done at the NASCAR race? Um, For, so parental warning, quick parental warning. There'll be some strong language. Yeah, I think I feel across like across the country, we've already crossed that like threshold. Crossed unfortunately, that. <laughs> sorry. Just such an unbelievable moment, Brandon. You also told me, as you can hear the chants from the the crowd. Let's go, Brandon. Brandon, you told me. <laughs> Let's go, Brandon. That's a hell of an interpretation of what that crowd oh. was shouting. So, like, unless you've had your whole your head in a hole for the last uh, several months, you've noticed that almost every major sporting event in the South, actually beyond that. Yeah, every, every it was at the Ryder Cup. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Everywhere there has been chants of F Joe Biden. 
You love to see it. Right? And it's happening. But this one was particularly good because she's mid-interview with the guy who won a NASCAR race and, and figures out, well, I mean, I don't know if she decided whether she was just going to mischaracterize what the chant was or she knew that she couldn't say what the right, chant I think was. She, I think she did what she had to do. She had to do what she, yeah. Right. She was like, okay, it's, let's go Brandon. <laughs> let's go Brandon. Incredible. <laughs> I bet you Brandon's polling better than Joe Biden right now. <laughs> and I mean, like... uh you see it at college games constantly. Constantly. Like, if it's Saturday, it's game day, and every college in the country, that stadium is roaring F. Joe Biden. <laughs> it's just, it's an incredible movement. It's certainly not Let's Go Brandon. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, yeah. Well, speaking of Let's Go Brandon, there's some of that overseas, too, Smug, and I know you love the, the China. Yeah, it, it's it's the Smug China Hawk segment for, for today's I love these. episode. Uh, you know, speaking of F. Joe Biden, that's pretty much what China is saying. Uh, so this is reported in the news. More than 50 Chinese military aircraft uh, entered Taiwan's air defense uh, identification zone on Monday. This is That was the third major intru- intrusion in recent days. It said starting last Friday on China's National Day, the People's Liberation Army sent 38 warplanes into the area and 39 aircraft on Saturday, previously the most in a single day since Taiwan began releasing reports on the flights in September 2020. China sent an additional 16 planes on Sunday. So I'm when they see like what planes. Yeah, when they see what Biden did in Afghanistan of just like I mean, that was you can't even say that was that was an exit. That was just like capitulation. C- total capitulation. We had 13 service members killed and his response to that was was droning a car full of kids. Uh, you know, imagine if you're China seeing this, you're like, "Okay, well, uh Clearly, we don't have to worry about this guy doing anything about it. Let's just take what we can. I wonder if they gave Millie a heads up. Yeah, yeah. Millie's like, hey, guys, the Air Force told me uh, uh, now's a good time to send the planes. <laughs> but 50 planes, I mean, that's a, that's an all-out yeah, air serious. show. That is serious. Right. It's a show of force. And, but- then, and meanwhile, here, here's what the Biden administration is saying about China. Uh, it says, the United States will seek to negotiate with Beijing about its industrial policies, but the goal is not to inflame trade tensions with China. Washington's trade chief says. So that's that's the message is like, hey, we're not trying to inflame China. Uh, we're going to stay dependent on China for manufacturing. And if they want to fly warplanes, hey, you know, let them fly warplanes. Uh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> we're just going to do it. <laughs> uh, I mean, that is the best edition of the soundboard in a long time. It's good. I just love that. Well, I mean, look, they're not doing anything better in the domestic economy than they are in our foreign policy. And we've talked, tackled this a couple of different times. But have you guys noticed what's happening with uh, energy prices? Yeah, yeah. Natural gas and, and at the pump. I mean, we're now dependent on OPEC again, evidently. Yeah, and uh, that's, that's another difference from when we had Trump in the White House. Is we had Keystone XL. For the first time, the U.S. was a net exporter. A net exporter. Yeah. Yeah, and it's now, incredible. now, you know, Keystone XL is gone. Uh, Biden let Putin have his Nord Stream, Nord, Nord Stream uh, pipeline, you know, trying to get Europe addicted to Russian energy. And, and now U.S. oil prices hit the highest level since 2014. Which, you know, look, you don't have to be a climate activist to realize that you have energy prices that go in up right before winter. It's a bad thing. Yeah. That's a bad thing. I mean... It's going to be a cold winter. Undoubtedly, it always is up in the Northeast and different places in this country. But now the idea that this administration has actively contributed to raising prices. Yep. And it's it's not just energy. So the, the Wall Street Journal 
uh, the headline I saw first thing this morning said, broader inflation pressures begin to show. It says, all of these measures have moved from signaling price stability to signaling sharp accelerations in underlying inflation. That's from Brent Meyer, the economist at the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta. So not just, you know, natural gas, because winter's here. Natural gas prices are already starting to spike. Uh, You know, oil, we don't need to tell the folks, you know, prices at the pump are going up. And at the grocery store, now you can expect like everything is going to cost more. So here's the thing. We told you all this was going to happen last spring. Yep. Yeah. Like we've talked about this incessantly. You do not need to be a market analyst to figure out what an administration that is entirely committed to restricting domestic production, entirely committed to filling our economy full of like weak dollar stimulus programs yep. and and it has no commitment to a market based economy at all is going to is going to happen like this is this is obvious and and so prices for natural gas like like you said we told everyone this was coming prices for natural gas which is the most common way to heat homes uh, and a leading fuel source for generating electricity has surged more than 180% over the past 12 months natural gas has been this expensive since february of 2014 well they got no choice but to fire up the coal mines again i guess <laughs> yeah that's yeah. Build, this is build back better is is you're all going to have to pay more and uh, meanwhile, those at the top get to go to Met Gala's. Great system. Yeah, they also have this dipshit idea that somehow plugging in your car saves emissions. Yeah. Yeah, right? where does that energy come from? So weird. Oh, it's weird. I don't know. Maybe it's <laughs> natural gas. <laughs> I mean, these people, these people. But pe- speaking of these people. Yes. Guys, Matt Dow. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. This Liar. guy's there we go. <laughs> absolutely perfect soundboarding. Oh, Dowd. <laughs> he he also has a little West Wing in him too. He does. Right? Yeah. He does. It's his brand. But and and this is the beauty of the confluence of what we've been talking about is that Matt Dowd went from an analyst where he could sit in this ivory tower and spout left wing talking points and sell out all the things that he claimed to believe in years ago. Right. To becoming a candidate. Yeah. Right. This is going to be fun to watch him squirm. And, and he is shocked, shocked that now as a candidate, he's not dealt with with the same kind of right, gloves right, right, right. That, he, that he was right. as an analyst. So he got this guy goes on CNN where he was typically dealt with as like a like an elder statesman. Yeah. You know, well, especially when Donald Trump was president. Right. And it's like all of these media companies just wanted to have somebody on. So they could outsource just hitting on Trump, yep. right? You have somebody on and you build them up and they attack Trump. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. Right. You know? Right. So he goes on CNN and we talked about this last week about how he deleted all of his tweets. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which, which was a shame for us. A shame. I mean, it, it marked a real moment of sadness for the program. <laughs> it was, so it was a uh, 175,000 tweets of his. So, say that, say that again, Smug. 175,000 tweets he deleted, which is, I mean, it's a shame because the guy was, he's an all-star champion. Like, I think he's the all-time champion of King of the Hill. All-timer. Yeah. That, I mean, that was great content. I mean, I don't, great content. I don't know how many tweets I've had. I wager to say far less than 175,000. So what he's talking about, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a, a lifetime of thought right. that he's just deleted. Well, he goes on CNN and Brianna Keeler has the audacity to ask him why. He deleted all of his tweets. Yeah. Right. What this asshole comes up with as a, as a response is that it's a Fox conspiracy. Ah. Incredible. <laughs> he's just cleaning up his files is what he's said. He's cleaning up his files like it's his email inbox. And he's just got to 
answer those unread emails. You know? <laughs> Here's the quote. There's no conspiracy thing here. It's just cleaning up my files long before I thought about getting in this race. <laughs> it was like the day before. It was like files. the day before. But again, it's a typical Fox thing to turn some conspiracy thinking it has into more meaning than it actually does. Now, he's saying that knowing Matt Dowd. I know Matt Dowd. He's saying that because he's trying to shame Brianna Keeler. Right. Into for, the, the audacity to pose that question. That you are basically a Fox personality when you ask questions <laughs> like that, you shameful woman. Incredible. Liar. Incredible. <laughs> uh, the soundboard's on fire today. It is. Really great stuff. But anyway, he, he's all over the place. I'm still committed to doing some kind of a fond farewell. It's, it's not going to be today. But we need to do some kind of commemoration of the fact that he, as our all-time King of the Hill champion, will no longer be a participant. Yeah. Sad day. Sad day, but hey, he, he still will be the champion in our hearts. So, farewell, it, Matthew Dowd. <laughs> um, there's this interesting little banter thing. I'm interested, I want to get your, your take on, Smug, because it's, it's about intelligence or height. It's. I think I saw Morning Brew tweet this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, if, if you're offered a pill uh-huh. that increases your intelligence by a hundred percent, but you also become four inches shorter and lose your hair, do you take it? Absolutely not. Hundred <laughs> percent not. Like, there's no reason to do that. It's insanity. I'd rather be tall than smart. That's worked out well for me. Duncan. Well, it's easy for me because I'm a genius. <laughs> So it would provide me no benefit. <laughs> I'm just saying in today's society, I don't think the intelligence 100% up gets you much. No. The, the height and and the hair definitely definitely work in your favor. 100%. Right? That's that crazy. I wish they had made it a poll and gotten actual numbers. Because there's no way. I mean, I, I can't imagine more than like 20% of people would take that deal. <laughs> well, look at the idiots. Look at the idiots running our country. That's a great point. Right? Or oh. the idiots running corporate America. Do you think any of these people are actually smart? That's a great point. Got great heads of hair, though. <laughs> Most of them. <laughs> we yeah. did get some good polls, though. Uh, actual polls that were done. And and yet again, folks, we were telling you, red wave, red wave on the way. So according to a new ABC News Ipsos poll, Americans' approval on how President Joe Biden is handling a slate of key issues including the response to COVID, rebuilding infrastructure, immigration, and gun violence, is declining. Oh, the dam has broken. That's like everything. Like, I mean, his agenda, he hasn't gotten any of it done because there's Dems in disarray, but like on every single issue. And now the way COVID's going, like he he said, he's going to shut down the virus. He was handed off multiple vaccines, and now we're getting to the point where there's going to be more people who died under Joe Biden than when COVID first showed up. And, he, and Biden was given vaccines on day Just one. think about that. That's wild. That's insane. That's wild. Yeah, he, hasn't, was, he hasn't shut down anything except, you know, everyday Americans trying to get about their life while, while they get to go to Met Gala's again. I was reading a, a couple of really interesting articles over the weekend that were about the therapeutics that are being developed. Like Merck had one that they announced. The antiviral. And then yeah. you got the monoclonal yeah. antibodies. Yeah. But they were saying, like, some of this stuff has all been approved in Europe and and yeah. elsewhere, and they were saying that all this is really good news, but that it, it really should have been fast tracked in the same way that that we fast track the fire or the the vaccine itself, right? Right. But because the Biden administration basically put no emphasis behind it, 
that the FDA is just sort of behind. It's just, it is such an incredible dereliction of duty. And, and so that explains it. So it says Biden's approval rating on handling the pandemic is now 15 points lower than at the end of March. His standing on the economic recovery is nine points lower over the same time period. Yeah. I mean, of course, I'm shocked that it's not more, to be honest with you. It's probably going to be more. But like at what point, if you're not just like a dyed in the wool, progressive liberal Democrat, at what point do you look around outside and you're like, oh, he's doing a great job? Like right. there's literally been nothing. And that's the thing is like it's his administration has just been disaster after disaster. It says here only a third of Americans approve of the way the president is handling immigration and the situation at the U.S.-Mexico border. Hold on. Think of that. Yeah. A third of a third guys. When you try to reach consensus in America, realize that there is a third of America that is never going to reach that consensus. Right. There are 33 percent of people in this country that look at what's happening on the border right now and say he's doing a great job. That's a coalition that's been ripped down to the studs. Yeah, yep. that's it. Yep. That's all you have. Yeah, that's that is the ride or die crew. Yeah. Right. And you've got Afghanistan at only 38 percent approving and crime at only 43 percent. So, so again, back that off, right? You got 13,000 people living under a bridge in Texas. Great job. 33%, right? Yeah. We leave Americans over in Afghanistan. We give away all of our Humvees and armored equipment. We embarrass ourselves in the world stage. 38% think that's a good job. And, yeah. and, and this is what's really killer. It says, for these four issues... Just over one in three independents approve of the job Joe Biden is doing. And that's where you get the rub. Yep. Right? Yep. Independents, I'm not breaking any news here, but independents have been trending against Republicans since 2016 hard. Right? Really hard. And we've been nowhere near competing for independent votes for the last five years. Now they are coming back in droves. And 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 here's another poll from the AP. It says since July, so in just you know a few months, Biden's approval rating has dropped among independents from 62% to 38%. That's a 24-point drop. It's also decreased among both white Americans, 49 to 42%, 7% drop. Black Americans, 86% to 64%. That's a 22% drop. Significant. I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible. Well, it's, it's also why the Democrats are so desperate to change the conversation into a conversation of choice rather than a referendum. Right. Because in a referendum, they they lose everything. They lose everything because they have unified Democratic government right now and they can't figure out basic stuff like the debt ceiling. And, and, right? and to me, I thought that was the most important and most interesting takeaway from this is that although uh, in same poll that AP had, although Democrats still say the country is heading in the right direction, their optimistic assessments of the country have dropped to 54 percent down from 64% last month and 77%. Jeez. So that's just like... That's that's like when you're like, your team's down by three touchdowns and you're still there and you're crying inside, but you're still cheering. (laughs) Dude, that's just, I'm a Viking fan. You know know this feeling well. I felt it Sunday. My Colts finally got a win. I know, I know. I can't be happy about anything, but next Sunday I'll be there with my jersey on. That's right, that's right. You know, it's the way it works. Guys, we've got to play a game. Yes, we do. Yes. And I cannot wait because there's been so much good stuff. I can't wait to see what you guys came up with. We are going to play Claim to Fame. <laughs> Excellent. Let's, yes. let's hear that music. Don't you know who I am? Remember my name. Claim! Brainworm takes forever. You're going to like my 
Just I I I want to play it for no other reason than to hear that music. It's a, it's the best theme song we got. The, the remember at the end is my favorite yes, part of it. Really, you know that remember remember remember. Uh, <clears throat> okay, remind well, everybody of the rules. Yes, if you're a new listener, and we have a lot of new listeners, the podcast keeps growing. Um, number one, I'd say go back and listen to that Thursday episode we did with Mike Pence, which was awesome. Incredible, incredible. We, we didn't get a chance to talk about that before you get into the game. Yeah, uh, being in front of a big crowd like that with the vice president up overlooking the Capitol on a beautiful night in DC that was a real experience. It was a real experience. His people were awesome, um, good crowd, yeah. just a great time. Yeah, um, but if you're a new listener, uh, the way that we play Clain to Fame, Clain being Ron Clain, the White House chief of staff, is uh, I select four tweets. Three of which have been retweeted by Ron Klain, one which has not. Mm-hmm. And Josh and Smug got to figure out which one was not retweeted by Ron Klain. And there was some controversy last week when I was out because uh, he retweeted the one that was not after the program. Yeah, absolutely Amazing. incredible. So it's, you know, Max Boot. It was an all Max Boot <laughs> uh, uh, game of Klain to fame. And he wrote some just terrible pathetic uh <laughs> editorial and ron Klain ended up four for four. RTing it four times in 24 hours just so what's happened is he switched from reuben to boot he is che- he's cheating on on reuben for sure do you guys feel like the ruthless variety program sort of wagging the dog on Absolutely. all this stuff yeah like i know for a fact in the white house they listen to this show and i bet Klain is is, is so broken he thinks this is a good idea to like, oh, it's, it's like a farm system. He's like, for takes. Gaslight. Yeah, these yeah guys. like he's he, like he's listening and he's taking notes. Yeah, he's <laughs> it's like, remember no, to like RT. It's like, I missed that boot tap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's get on that. Oh, okay. So four tweets. Tweet number one. This is from Greg Sargent. Old plumb line. Greg Sargent. Media coverage has the story backward. Progressive pressure has made it more likely, not less, that Biden's agenda will pass. A source tells me the White House exerted no pressure on Prague's progressives to pass the infrastructure bill. This is critical to success. (laughs) My latest. (laughs) Okay. Tweet number two. This is from your old pal, Chris Hayes. Mm, love him. Guy's obsessed with the variety program. I love and, him. And Holmes in particular, Seriously. for some reason. He's blocked really me, but weird. he's always in Holmes' replies. Yeah, loves he it. loves it. <clears throat> this is a Chris Hayes quote tweet. Um, the original tweet is, uh, Biden to press. It doesn't matter when it gets done. It doesn't matter whether it's in six minutes, six days, or six weeks. We're going to get it done. And Chris Hayes quote tweets it and says he's not wrong <laughs> Wait i just i just love that one because just totally undercuts the speaker of the house <laughs> oh my God. okay tweet number three uh the original this is another quote tweet this one is from steny hoyer okay <clears throat> the original tweet is from zeke miller 
who says Biden asks Hoyer for permission to come aboard as he arrives at the Capitol. Wait, 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 wait. Biden asks Hoyer for permission to come aboard as he arrives at the Capitol. Steny Hoyer quote tweets it and says, permission granted. Oh, man. Honored to have you in the people's house today, POTUS. Boom. That's it. <laughs> total West Wing. <laughs> it's oh, a total man. West Wing. <laughs> that is so West Wing. There's Jed Bartlett strolling up. Permission, oh, permission granted. Unbelievable. Enjoy the octogenarians as we discuss all yeah. of the... Oh, yeah. my God. Okay. And tweet number four, Jen Rubin. Oh. Those paying attention during the 2020 campaign recognized that Biden's agenda was quite progressive. He ran on the Build Back Better plan in 2020, which contained precisely the items he is now pushing for as part of the reconciliation package. Okay, I think I, I, think I got my pick. Holmes, turn away. Okay. Secret one. This is the one I think was not retweeted. Okay. All right. My vote is in. And now we can discuss. Okay. And now we can discuss. Okay. Um, all right. So can I get a reread of number two? Uh, so, so this one is a quote tweet uh, by Chris Hayes. The original tweet is Biden to press. It doesn't matter when it gets done. It doesn't matter whether it's in six minutes, six days, or six weeks. We're going to get it done. And Chris Hayes quote tweets and says, he's not wrong. <laughs> okay. He, def <laughs> he definitely he definitely tweet retweeted that. Okay. Definitely retweeted that. Okay. Um, on number one, I'm, I'm a little... <sighs> so the story coming out of what he was supposed to do... Uh-huh on that meeting with the house was that he was supposed to basically bend people towards a solution and he didn't do it. He emboldened progressives. Right. Right. So what Sargent was saying was basically what the white house did right. and what they were saying. So it lends like, I believe that that very well could have been a retweet. Okay. But it definitely flies in the face of House leadership. Yes. Right? But so does the other tweet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. The permission granted thing. Oh, my God. Can we? So, so for current reasons, can I get a reread of number yes. three? The original, this is another quote tweet. The original tweet from Zeke Miller. Biden asks Hoyer for permission to come aboard as he arrives at the Capitol. Quote tweet from Steny Hoyer. Permission granted. <laughs> Honored to have you in the people's house today, POTUS. Yeah, there <laughs> Let the cringe wash over you. Oh, there he is. There right. he is. So, I mean, I think my theory on that is it's, I, I think it was retweeted because it's so damn embarrassing. Because it's so oh, it's cringe. So embarrassing. So embarrassing. couldn't possibly have not yeah, have been. Okay, that's so. a good take. So, all right. So, I'm, I'm locked in on two and three. What I'm, what I'm, Here's the problem. Sergeant and Ruben, as you know, if you know the background, were basically hired at the same time to provide the yes. right and the left for the Washington Post. Uh, can you repeat that one more time for our listeners? 
yeah. So Ruben was hired to be the conservative <laughs> voice, <laughs> opposed to Sargent to provide two different perspectives on the legislative machinations of our it's day. It's just so crazy. By the way, they're both still employed under the same uh-huh. dynamic. Yeah, there is no conservative, right? Right. So anyway, um, the Politico piece that basically just undermined the hell out of Klein and Ruben. Yeah. It definitely changed his behavior. Yes. Right? Which, yes, thanks to the Variety program. Which, by the way, all just became because of the Variety program. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So I'm just not sure if he's gotten back on the Ruben bandwagon, right? He might have just, like you said, last week it was just boot. What she said is something he would retweet. Uh-huh. See, here, here's here's my like game theory take on this: is yeah. I think Duncan is trying to play with our brains, like how he did with like, I did Jen that. Rubin time. I did yeah. that. Like, yeah, true. Totally played me on that. So I think this actually, I think the Rubin was retweeted. I think number one wasn't. I think it was just weird. So, so this is what what I'm settling in at, and this is as talking this one through. I think that Greg Sargent is a like mouthpiece for progressive. Democrats, mm-hmm. and I think an occasion that becomes problematic. If you notice, Klain doesn't do a lot of retweeting of Greg Sargent, not because he doesn't take the administration's point of view. He does, he does, mm-hmm. but he does less retweeting and interacting with him, and more with Rubens and Boots. Interesting, right? So I agree. I think number one is the is the deal. You guys are right. Amazing. Ah, yes, that was great work. Outstanding. That work. was great work, and 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 smug. Excellent diagnosis. I definitely included Jen Rubin solely to throw you guys off the It was set. messing with my brain, so that was a mission accomplished. Yeah. It was. I, I That's why I was stuck. But what a wonderful game. Outstanding. Boys, put together a hell of a one game. there. Let's get that theme song. Let's get, let's get it back. Don't you know who I am? Remember my name. Clean. Brainworm takes forever. You're going to like my post. Most. I feel engagement forever. Broken brain takes with no shame. Queen! Hot takes up to 11. Saving Joe Biden from blame. Queen! It's gonna live forever. Ronnie, remember my name. Remember, 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 remember. That's so good. Ah. Oh. God. All right. So we've got a great interview coming up with uh, Senator Tom Tillis of North Carolina. A lot that you didn't know about Tom Tillis in this interview. Let's go. I want to welcome to the program uh, a really great guy from the great state of North Carolina, Senator Tom Tillis. Welcome, sir. Um, Happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Josh. Listen, I know you got your hands full uh, watching Democrats ably handle themselves. (laughs) Obviously, I'm being sarcastic. Uh, with what's happening in the Capitol right now, but maybe just get your top line observations of, of what you're watching here. Uh, goat rodeo of <laughs> the, uh, the, the speaker, the uh, majority leader Schumer, the president have just failed to get their conferences to coalesce around anything that number one, the American people want, and number two, that they can pay for. And this nonsense they have out there now that it costs nothing is just that. I think that, I thought it was interesting, uh, one of the House members was on a television show last week, and he said, you know, democracy is all about compromise, and we've (laughs) got to have 
Democrats compromise. Now, I, I actually thought compromise involved the other party, but right now they're say. negotiating <laughs> against themselves and not doing a very good job. When your definition of compromise is just within your party, you, you're missing right. a little. <laughs> you're missing yeah. a little. Well, I know you all have done uh, yeoman's work at highlighting the various deficiencies of what they're trying to do. But I mean, when you're talking to people in North Carolina and around the country, I mean, where's the marketplace for three and a half trillion dollars of more taxing and spending? I mean, is anybody asking for this? There's no buyers. I mean, the, and, and the, the problem that I think uh, they both, they all three uh, find themselves in Biden, Pelosi and Schumer is that the longer they take, the worse it gets. Yeah. I mean, people are waking up to the fact that, that look, we are still spending billions of dollars to stabilize businesses through the Paycheck Protection Program. And now they want to turn around. And while we're trying to help keep these businesses afloat, they want to tax them. Yeah. Uh, it, it makes no sense. Businesses uh, have rejected it. Individuals have rejected it. They're insulting to the population, saying that it's only going to be a tax on the rich. We know who ultimately suffers. You just take a look at some of the basic, the, the nicotine taxes. Take a look at yes. um, tobacco, nicotine taxes. It's regressive. It's going to hurt the, uh, the poorest uh, among us. So I think people are wising up to it, which is why there's so much downward pressure on what that top line number is going to be. Pelosi just a few weeks ago said 3.5 trillion was the floor. Um, (laughs) When you have Democrats saying that they don't support a corporate tax increase, they don't support an individual income uh, increase that, that guts close to 800 million of the pay for. And uh, I think they're, uh, they're going to, I think they're probably going to negotiate themselves uh, out of anything. And that's what I'm hoping for anyway. Well, that would be the best case scenario, obviously. Them walking away with absolutely nothing would be terrific news, not just for the country and, and American taxpayers, but I think for the trajectory of this administration, which, you know, I, I know that there may be some people who believe that they were going to come in here and be, be moderates, but I think basically everything they've touched has fallen off the left-hand side of the map and ended in absolute disaster at this point. Oh, they're extreme. I mean, when, when you've got voices in the House that will not uh, help fund Iron Dome for Israeli safety yeah, and security. Um, but they're, uh, you know, they're, they're carving themselves up and, and they've got to be looking over their shoulder. Take a look at the states that are in play for the U.S. Senate race next year and, and uh, the redrawn House districts. There are a lot of freshman Democrats that know that Nancy Pelosi is trying to march them off a cliff. Right. Um, so she's got a dynamic that she's proven uh, incapable of, uh, I think, working a positive outcome. Yeah. No, I, I listen, I, I happen to agree with you on all of that. I want to get into a little bit into your background, because I think one of the things for our listeners who don't know you very well, uh, you bring an extremely unique uh, upbringing and background to the debate, particularly on these sets of issues. I mean, you didn't grow up in the uh, in the upper side of town. No, actually, that's why uh, Elizabeth Warren, I was presiding one night when she gave a speech and she said that uh, she was talking about her upbringing and she said something to the effect of, I grew up on the ragged edge of the middle class. I'm going, I was aspiring (laughs) to be somewhere on the ragged edge of the middle class. I don't know what that means, but, you know, we... We had a family of six kids. We moved a lot, uh, grew up in trailer parks. In fact, I was 
just down in Jacksonville over the weekend, about 15 minutes away from one of the, the first trailer park I grew up in. And I moved up to Nashville, Tennessee. That trailer park's still standing over in Antioch and uh, didn't go to college uh, directly out of school, was going to go to the Air Force, had a car accident and uh, ended up being discharged because I had to have surgery done on a hand. And I found myself working in a warehouse and uh, ultimately going to community colleges. People ask me where I graduated from. I say Nashville State, Chattanooga State, Georgia State, UTC Chattanooga, and ultimately the adult program at the University of Maryland University College at the age of 30, almost 37. Uh, it was a year after wow. I was admitted to the partnership at Price Waterhouse. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, that. so, so how does it you mentioned Elizabeth Warren just listening into that, but, but as you're taking measure of what the AOCs and the progressive left in the House and your colleagues in the Senate are saying about the only way to help underprivileged people is basically just flooding these government programs with taxpayer dollars and you know, paying people not to work, paying the rent, paying all these things. I mean, that's got to just sit in a bad spot with you. Oh, it's terrible. I mean, it's very clear that these people have lived lives of privilege. They have right. they have no clue what that 19 year old, <clears throat> excuse me, that 19 year old living in a trailer park really needs. They need access to education, of course, you know, get them in a community college. Uh, they don't need more dependence on government, because what happens when you do that is you have you have people just grow into a life of dependency and not giving them the opportunity to work hard and succeed. I was given those opportunities. You know, look, I came in when I was in that trailer park, Carter uh, was in office. And, and then over a few short years, when Reagan came on the scene, the opportunities just became boundless for me. You know, I came out of that warehouse into a corporate job in two years with only yeah. about uh, maybe uh, less than a year of uh, community college credits. And, and it just accelerated from there because I, I was able to take advantage of government getting out of my way and the economy giving me opportunities to succeed. These folks, you know, uh, AOC grew up as, uh, I think her, her name was Sandy at the time. Sandy had a pretty nice life up in uh, up in New York. Uh, Elizabeth Warren had a pretty nice life living on the ragged edge of the middle class. And these folks just... <laughs> right. They just absolutely don't understand what most people want. They just want an opportunity and they want government out of the way. They don't want to check that they, they go down to the mailbox once a month to pay their bills. Um, but but when, that, when that becomes a part of a lifestyle that you grow up in, it could be a lifestyle that you'll just assume that's all there is. And I think right. it's horrible for the future of this country to create that cycle of dependency. Oh, very well said. Very well said. I heard a story that when you were living in one of the trailer parks, you had a, you had a job walking cats. Is that true? No, no. That was actually my first job. <laughs> it, I was always enterprise because my dad worked. You know, when you got six kids, my, my mom and dad both uh, sometimes had uh, two jobs. My father was a draftsman, and, uh, and so he would do project work. That's what took us all over the, the southeast. Okay. And, you know, I just observed my dad working. And so I had a next-door neighbor who said, hey, uh, you know, I'll – pay you money if you walk my cat my brothers and sisters made fun of me but i was always the kid with cash in my pockets yeah right uh, that was when that was when i was about nine years old cutting grass i got my my work permit when i was 12 years old made my first payment to social security 33 dollars in 1973 and i haven't missed a year since 
Ah, uh, that's amazing. How do you walk a cab, by the way? Do they go in like some kind of a harness or is it like, how does, how does that? It, it, you know, it was just a collar and the cat was pretty obedient. It looked weird, I'm sure, uh, walking down the sidewalk with a cat. But hey, it, uh, it put money in my pocket. Yeah, exactly. You got to do what you got to do. But you've always been, I mean, I wonder if it was that experience. You've always been a pet uh, guy. I see you when I was in the cab oh, yeah. constantly with dogs around. Yeah, man. If you got a pet or you can borrow one, you ought to come over for our. Uh, we've got our Bob Pottison, that's P A W, uh, yeah, Halloween uh, costume uh, event that's going to be happening again this year. Last year, COVID canceled it, but we'll have lots of dogs, maybe a few cats. Uh, I'll be bringing mine. I've got a new six-month-old, fifty-five-pound puppy, and uh, I told Mitch last night. I've got one dog I named Mitch. Uh, this dog's <laughs> name. And I originally told Elaine Chow, and I showed me I was trying to get, uh, I love the XL breed pit bulls. I mean, they're about 120-pound dogs, beautiful right. dogs, and right. easy to train, pretty docile. And I wanted that. I, I told, uh, I showed Mitch a picture of the one that I was looking at, and I said, if I get this one, I'm going to name it Chow. Uh, <laughs> and, and I told Elaine that as well. But, uh, but Susan intervened, my wife. She said, I'm not going to let you get a pit bull, but I'll let you get a large breed dog. So now I've got a Bernie's Mountain standard poodle mix it looks like he's going to be somewhere around a 100 pounds but for the uh for the event right now if we can get the costumes right they're going to come i told mitch and elaine last night i had dinner with them that uh they're coming as mitch and elaine i love I've got that. a great i got a great suit <laughs> and a and a, a toupee for mitch now we just got to find the right uh right dress for theo <laughs> and this is for our listeners who aren't familiar one of the complexities of the Capitol complex. There's a lot of formality to it, but the one thing that's been just sort of a unique pleasure to a lot of members is that they can bring their dogs. The people often oh, yeah. bring their dogs. I mean, I remember when we first moved into the, the Kennedy suite after he had moved out and I was chief of staff in McConnell's office, we had to kind of tear up all the rugs because Kennedy had his dogs basically living in the office. Oh, we have on uh, any given week. We're going to have dogs in our office. You know, That's I, awesome. I tell staff when they're when they're interviewing, if you don't like dogs, our office is probably not for you because we'll have a couple <laughs> of golden retrievers, uh, uh, corgi. Uh, we had a Boston Terrier until about a month ago when one of my staff moved on. But and then I bring my dogs up. They'll be up here, and I bring them in the office. It's a very animal friendly. I've actually even offered to my scheduler to have her bring her two cats in. Um, but uh, she's been a little bit hesitant to do that. <laughs> With all the traffic, I understand. Was the Boston Terrier uh, teeny tiny Tilly? Yeah, and she was um, a staple. I mean, she was always in the office. She'd come wandering into my office and uh, wander around the, really, the whole office complex. And, and my dog, uh, Mitch, loves her. Too. That's great. Well, we have we have a boss. My wife is obsessed with that Instagram account because we have a Boston Terrier ourselves. So, <laughs> so it's got a lot of play in our house. <laughs> Lexi does a good job with that. She really does. She really does. So let me ask you this, because you're you're one of the more politically astute uh, members of the Senate. You obviously came up through the state legislature, watched as you sort of grew a majority in North Carolina and, uh, and helped build that. And then now you've had a, an opportunity, not only winning your own races, but helping some of your colleagues over the finish line. What's your, uh, what's your prognostication for 2022? Uh, I'm very bullish on with the, the maps that I'm seeing being drafted across the country, very bullish on winning back the, the house. And I think we've got a clear path in the Senate. I'm not one of these folks that think that, you know, we 
we're going to have 55 or 56. The biggest number we've ever had is 55. But if you take a look at the states that could be pickup states for us, uh, Biden's underwater. Well, there yeah. was just a high point fall out this week in North Carolina where he's only got 38 percent approval, 48 yeah, wow. percent disapproval. And that's not going to get better because some of his failures, the biggest challenge that we have this year is for us to be disciplined and pick which failure is going to resonate most with the the American people. But between yeah, they're stacking, stacking up pretty high at this point. Right. It's target rich. So the, the key there is to look at uh, at the issues that I think are top of mind, the immigration uh, issue of the southern yeah. border, the, the absolute abject failure of Afghanistan, the failure on his covid response. Yeah. Um, the economic uh, problems that we have uh, right now, the programs that they have in place that are incenting people not to go back to work, uh, resonate with the American people. So if we're disciplined, um, I think that we could have a very good year and have gavels in both chambers. Yeah. Well, I, your lips to God ear, God's ears, because we need it. I mean, I, I, given what these folks have embarked upon in the first nine months i just i fear for what it would look like if we went past another election with a democratic majority in the house and senate yeah we, if if we fail uh, i fully believe that before the end of my second term we'll be dealing with a fiscal crisis yeah we're already uh the bills are going to come due uh, but if if they go off the rails with some of these entitlement programs then we could see devastating consequences three two to three years out and yeah. uh, I think the American people are wising up to that. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. All right, we got three big questions for you, Senator, and these are the ones we ask everybody, um, and they're the ones that everybody pays attention to, so these require some thought. Uh, the first question is, your last meal on Earth, what would it be? Oh, you know, it would probably be something that I would cook in my big green egg. There you uh, go. Maybe, probably a pork shoulder, slow yeah. roasted. I like that. Uh, with a combination of eastern and western North Carolina barbecue, so I don't make anybody mad on That's the way That's what out. I was just going to – I was going to walk down that road carefully with you. I didn't <laughs> want you to walk you into any big problem. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like them. I even like the – you know, some people think it's nasty, but I even like the uh, yellow barbecue sauce from South Carolina. I'm ecumenical when it comes to barbecue. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. And I do like this, the green egg uh, component to it. That's a nice extra flavor. <laughs> um, oh, it's a beast. I love it. All right. So here's the second question. If you never got into politics, and this is an interesting question for somebody like you who's had such an incredible background. Uh, if you never got into politics, what do you think you'd be doing with your life? Um, I would be, you know, I love management consulting, you know, with, with Pricewaterhouse, I love doing turnaround work, I like going into problem com companies and bring them back out. That's why I think it was relatively easy to fix the fiscal mess that I inherited when I was speaker. So mm -hmm. it would definitely, you know, I would see myself probably tech sector, financial services sector, private equity, uh, work with people to bring businesses, problem businesses or promising businesses. Uh, to the forefront. Love doing that kind of stuff. Just yeah. uh, it, it really, I have an itch for it. I've got an annual camping trip that I'm, 
I go on with uh, a lot of my partner buddies from IBM and Price Waterhouse in October, and there'll be about 20 of us out in the woods, and I'll be jealous for three days uh, talking to them, number one, about the kind of projects they're on, and number two, about the money they're making. Yeah, yeah that's right. It makes they're... me very sad. This is a very expensive hobby. It's a very expensive hobby, one in which you were just rehired for six more years. So yeah, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to put your skills to work in government for a little while longer. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So here's the final question. What motivates Tom Tillis more, the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat? And let me explain this for just so you can wrap your mind around it. The thrill of victory, people, it's always the glass is half full, right? It's our, always charging up the mountain sort of the optimist. The agony of defeat person is Michael Jordan, right? It's just somebody who just can't live a single day without the idea that, it, that if somebody's going to pull one over on them, it, it just kills them. Oh, I'm definitely an agony of uh, defeat guy. <laughs> you know, I, I really don't yeah. celebrate victories. I mean, I, honestly, the, the, every election that I've had, I never watched the election results. My wife did. Uh, but uh, I'll have people uh, attest to the fact that while everybody else is glued to the set and, you know, watching the, the uh, precincts come in, I don't pay attention to it. I was with my family members doing other stuff. Uh, the, uh, in is business, that right? How, how do you do that? I mean, it, it got the whole world watching North Carolina last election. You're just sort of off on your own? I don't, you know, I, I never really like to pay a lot of attention to something that at that point is completely out of my hands. Yeah, you know, it's point. just like, it's going to happen. Um, and they came in and said, you won. won. I said, that's great. was expecting to, um, <laughs> but you know, even in business, the, uh, you know, it, my, it was always my expectation that, uh, you know, I had to complete the job. So when I got it done, it wasn't like, Oh gosh, I'm so excited. The project's over and was a success. It's like on to the next one. So it is that, uh, for all of my life, it's that uh, 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 fear of failure that motivates me. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can see that. I can see it coming yeah. through. That's an excellent answer. Well, listen, we're going to let you get back to it. I know you're in the middle of everything. I can't thank you enough for taking a little bit of time out of your day to, to give us a little explanation of what's happening up there and a little something about yourself. So thanks again, Senator Tom Tillis. Thank you, Josh. Take care. Talk soon. I mean, my favorite part about this is I guarantee you 90% of even our listeners had no idea this guy grew up in a trailer park. Yeah. Right? And to listen to him talk about the AOCs of the world proclaiming to represent the views and the values of poor Americans is just so inherently offensive to a guy like that. Right. I just love to hear it. Yeah, tax the rich, dress at the Met Gala. Right. You know? Right. Right. Like, this is your champion? Are you kidding me? Right. So he just totally destroys all of that. He's a hell of a guy. I know, you know, we caught him in the middle of a ton of work, right? So I would love to have done an interview with Tom Tillis over a beer because he's a, he's a very funny guy and he's like, just charming as it gets. But they're in the middle of serious business, so we talked about serious things, and I, I thought I got a lot out of it. Awesome. Outstanding interview. And you know what? Outstanding episode Great, great segment. I, I love that claim of fame. Outstanding yeah. work on that, Duncan. So, until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay ruthless.